0: will turn with me to Psalm 147? The will come up on the screen, but it's always good to have the Word of God open before you. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great. Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his Unfailing love. Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the wind and the waters flow. He has revealed his word to Jacob. His laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. So it's God's inspired word. We're going to, Lord God, may that be our experience as we gather around your word now. May we meet you as you, as it were, walk off the pages. May your spirit take the word of God and bless it to us this morning as we look at it together now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have always had a bit of an inquisitive mind. For whenever I was told that something was good for me, I wanted to know why. And looking back, some of the time I'm sure that I was actually just being more disruptive and argumentative than inquisitive, but I think it is good to know how or why something is good for you. This is the second of what are known as the Hallelujah Psalms. They they are called this because they all begin with and they all end with the phrase, Praise the Lord, which basically is what the word hallelujah means. And not only does the psalmist open with the call to praise the Lord, but in verse 1, he tells us that it is good to sing praises to our God. It is good to sing praises to our God, as well as it being pleasant And it being fitting. So I would want to ask the psalmist, why? Why is it good to sing praises to God? And the psalmist, perhaps anticipating that, has got a ready response. Because in the rest of the psalm that we read earlier, he gives us reasons as to why it is good, why it is pleasing, why it is fitting to praise God. So if you've got your Bible open before you, and that's why I encourage you to have it, let's take something of a whistle-stop tour through the psalm and count them as we go. Verse 2, God is builder and restorer. Verse 3, God is healer and binder. Verse 4, God is creator. Verse 5, God is wise. Verse 6, God is a sustainer. Verse 8 and 9, he is provider. Verse 11, he delights in those who fear him. Verse 13, he is protector. He blesses. He is peacemaker. He satisfies. Verse 15, he is powerful. And in verse 19, he is revealer and if you were counting them that was 15 reasons 15 reasons to sing praises to our God and you'll be glad to hear that I'm not going to look at these reasons one by one but rather all I want to do is kind of group them into four headings and I trust that by the end you will also see how good, pleasant and fitting it is to praise God, and indeed, how worthy of praise this great God truly is. But before I do that, let me just take up a little challenge of verse 1, because we see clearly from it, and indeed from throughout the Psalms, that praising God, as I said, is good, is pleasant, and is fitting. And the question to ask ourselves, brothers and sisters, is this. Does that sum up my feelings, your feelings, our feelings? My response, our response to the call of praise? As an introduction to our song praise this morning, I read Psalm 92, verses which as part of, of the heading to the Psalms tells us is a song for the Sabbath day. It speaks there also of it being good to praise, of making music, of it being both morning and evening, of using musical instruments, and of singing joyfully does that mark out our praise? Do you enjoy? Do you look forward to when the call goes out to let us stand and praise our God in song? Or do you think not another song? Or Oh, not one of these new ones. Or, oh, no, not another golden oldie for Sankey's or whatever. Brothers and sisters, it is not important when they were written, it is the truth that they convey. Do the words help us? Do the words aid us in our praise? You see, the psalmist love to praise God love to praise God, and so must we. So just in case you're in need of a few reasons, let's look at four things for which we can fittingly praise our God. Firstly, we see that God restores. God restores. Most commentators of Psalm 147 will suggest that this psalm In its original context, and it's always important to keep Scripture in its original context, but this psalm in its original context probably was first used when Nehemiah and the people had finished rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem upon returning from their exile. God had promised to restore his people. He had promised to restore them even though they had rebelled against them. Against him. And verse 2 speaks of God once again building and restoring Jerusalem as he gathers, as he calls back those who were in exile, those who were far from him. And friends, the great truth of the gospel is that God is still in the restoration business. And today he is building his church. He is building his kingdom. And he does so, he does so by calling to himself those who have rebelled. Those who have sinned. And in sheer grace, he restores them to all that they were created to be in the first place. Restoration is a wonderful thing. There was a program on a few years ago, I don't know if it's still being repeated, or probably repeat in one of the other channels, because that seems to be everything that's repeated, but kind of was called restoration. They would take an old building and they, they would restore it. You know, we marvel at the way People take things like old buildings or old cars or or, or anything that has been broken and marred and ruined and, and lovingly restore it to its former glory. It takes time, it takes cost, it takes love, it takes patience. That's what God does with us. He takes us, as it were, with all our sin, with with all our brokenness, with, with all our mess, and he lovingly restores us to what we were meant to be. And when you know that restoration... When you know that forgiveness, when you know that peace, when you know that joy, when you know that eternal assurance, it brings about praise and worship and adoration. Do you know that restoration? But you see, the inquisitive bit of me says, well, how? How how does he restore us? Well, like any restoration friends, it was costly. It cost him his son, his only beloved son. And for those who truly turn to Christ, who repent of sin, that restoration is complete. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives, and you become instantly part of God's building, His church. Verse three tells us more of what this restoring God does. Tells us there that He heals the broken-hearted; He binds up their wounds. You see, not only does he restore, but we see here that he heals the broken hearted. Speaks there of God's compassion. We see his grace and restoration. Here we see his compassion. Psalm 34 tells us this. The Lord is close. The Lord is close to the broken hearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, if we keep it in its original context here, many of those who were returning had lost loved ones in the exile. They were returning to a place and to a city of ruins. And they were broken. They were brokenhearted. Yet there was this compassionate God there for them as healer. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, as Christians, we are not exempt from the hurts and from the heartaches of the world. Yet for the believer, even in the midst, and indeed at times especially so, of deep sorrow, he is there healing us, binding us, Loving us to such an extent that even in these times if praise is not necessarily on our lips, it is certainly deep rooted in our hearts. Uh, these verses have been rather special and so encouraging to me in recent times. Are you broken hearted? Are you wounded? Then come. Come to the great healer. Reasons to praise him. They're endless. Verses 4 and 6 remind us of his power. He is the one who numbers and names the stars. He is great. He is mighty. This is our God. God. And notice how, as verse 5 says, he also sustains us, restoring us, healing us, sustaining us. But notice, and this is important, notice who it is that he does this to. It's the humble. That is those who have trusted him. And notice the warning. That we have there to those who don't. The wicked he casts to the ground. That speaks to me, friends, of judgment. It speaks of, as Psalm 1 makes clear. And you, you need to understand someone to understand the whole of the Psalter. Someone is an introduction in, into the whole book of Psalms. And, and it shows us clearly that there are only two ways to live. And those who trust in this gracious God are restored, are healed, are forgiven and those who don't are cast to a lost eternity. These are serious issues. Where do you stand this morning? Do you know that restoration that only God in his grace can apply? If so, there's a reason to praise him. But there's more. Because not only does God restore, we see that God provides. Verse 7 begins again with another call to sing, another call to praise, and this time it is for the fact that, God's provide, that, that God provides. I think on that old hymn. All I have needed His hand hath provided. It is God, the psalmist makes clear, who covers the skies with clouds. The sky with clouds. Who supplies the earth with rain. Who makes the grass grow. Who provides food for cattle, even for the young ravens. Friends, surely such a rich provider can meet our need, whatever that need might be. All that we have comes from him. Even the very breath that you breathe. When did you last praise God for his daily provision? We take it for granted, don't we? We can walk on of Tesco or Asda 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When did you last praise God for his daily provision? We have so much these days that we run the risk of just taking it for granted, yet we are reminded here that God is ultimately our provider. It is out of his infinite riches in Jesus that he giveth and he giveth and he giveth and he giveth giveth again. It's more reasons to sing with thanksgiving, to make music on the harp or whatever other instrument, So, I was studying this week, verse 11. Verse 11 was one of those verses that just kind of hit me right between the eyes this week. And it honestly blew my mind away. Notice what verse 11 says. It's kind of up there as well, but notice what it says. The Lord delights. The Lord Delights. The Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. There is so much here in this verse. It speaks of fearing the Lord. That is, when we read there, it's not to hide behind a couch as Susan used to do when Doctor Who came on and the Daleks appeared. It's not that kind of fear, all right? It says it's to reverently trust God. That's what it means. That's what it means to fear the Lord, to reverently trust him. Speaks of his unfailing love. That, friends, is a love that will never, ever, ever, never, ever fail. There's more reasons to praise him. However, it was the thought contained in verse 11 that I, that you, when we fear and when we hope and when we trust do you see what we can do we can bring delight to the lord <coughs> you ever thought on that thought that we can bring delight to the lord the the one who knows all things, the one who has all things, the one who created, the one who restores, the one who sustains, the one who provides, the one who has need of nothing. He finds delight in those who fear him and in those who hope in him. On Thursday night at, at the prayer meeting, we were looking at Isaiah 61 verse 10. We are we are encouraged to greatly delight in the Lord, but here, here, look look what it's saying. The Lord delights in us. I I find that staggering. And who do you delight? Here we are told the Lord of all creation takes delight in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. Praise him. Trust him, and as you do, not only will you be blessed, but the Lord will be delighted. But a thought that even this small congregation this morning, as we lift our praises up to the God of all heaven, we bring delight. Do you think of that when you came to church this morning? That by gathering, we can delight the Lord. The Lord restores, the Lord provides. Thirdly, another reason, the Lord protects. As you read through the Psalms, you, you will often find that kind of triad of praise, provision, and protection. It's there in a lot. It's a, a theme of the Psalms. And here it's no different. And again in verse 12, we have a call again this time to extol the Lord. The, the, the Psalm is full of injunctions to praise God. Verse 12, this time we are to extol him. And here's the reason. It might seem a bit strange at first, but here's the reason. He strengthens the bars of your gates. And again, if we keep the psalm in its context, back in David's time, the gates were the main way into the city. He strengthens them. He guards them. He protects them. He grants peace to your borders. There's a message for the world today. He's your protector. And the Psalms are full of this picture of God as protector, as refuge, as strength. Psalm 121. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Praise him. He restores. He provides. He protects. And finally, notice that God reveals himself. Derek Kinder, in his commentary on the Psalms, makes a point that from verse 15 onwards in the Psalm, that the unifying theme of these verses is God's word. And it's God's word in its two great functions, functions, which primarily is to command and to communicate. And we see the command part in verse 15 to 18 that shows us even, even the weather, how topical, even the weather is under the control of God. It is at his word, we read, that the snow spreads, the hail falls, the icy blast comes, the breeze blows, the waters flow. It speaks not just of God as creator, but actually controller. God is in control. God is sovereign over all things. Floods. Floods. Famines, wars, rumours of wars. You're getting worried because North Korea's practicing some bombing. God's in control. We need to pray about it. But as we were explaining to the children, if our trust is in God, we have nothing to fear. And of course the New Testament warns us that when we read of such things we are to look up because our redemption draweth nigh. God is in control. If he can control the weather can he not control whatever situation you're going through. Then in verse 19 we see that this great God who creates, who sustains, who restores, who provides, who protects, has and does reveal His Word. That is His ways and His commands and His will to us. And interestingly, and we've made mention of this many times before, interestingly, the psalmist tells us here to Jacob. We've been seeing in, in our studies in Genesis um, kind of rather intermittent studies in Genesis, but we've been seeing our studies in Genesis, the Lord speaking to Jacob. Something that he did to other Old Testament saints. And sometimes the danger, and I'll pick this up the next time we look at Genesis, which won't be tonight, but whenever it will be, but we'll pick it up because God again comes and speaks directly to Jacob and tells him it's time to get up and go. And sometimes we kind of marvel and we think, oh, that God would do that today. Oh, that God would reveal himself like that. Or oh, that God would just audibly speak to me, make known his word to me, make known his ways to me, make known his will to me. If only, if only he would do that. Well, Come to Hebrews 1. And in Hebrews 1, we read this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and in various ways. But now, he has spoken to us by his Son. Great great as it must have been for the likes of Moses or Abram or Jacob to audibly hear the voice of God, it was, first of all, it was very few and far between. There was great lengths of time when God didn't speak. we are more blessed than the Jews or Jacob or any of these Old Testament people because, brothers and sisters, we have God revealed in His Word the Bible and we have Him revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, Those who have seen me have seen the Father. And in His Word, And through his Son, God's word and God's will and God's way is made known clear to each and every one of us. And our God is a God who reveals himself. You see, that speaks to me of a God who seeks a relationship with us. And his word, both written and incarnate, still speaks, if we will but listen. When did God last speak to you? Is God speaking to you now? What is your response? What is your response even now? What is your response as we have considered this great God, the one who Restores, provides, protects, reveals who is our builder and restorer, our healer, our binder, our creator, our sustainer, our provider, our delight and we his, our protector, our peacemaker, our satisfier. How do you respond? I trust, I pray, that you respond the same way that the psalmist responds because he finishes once again with the cry of hallelujah praise the Lord reasons as to why it is good pleasing and fitting to praise God he restores he provides he protects he reveals let's pray Father God thank you Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it contains. Thank you that you are a God who is still in the restoration business. Lord, perhaps there's those here this morning who know that they need that restoration who as yet have never turned to you and put their trust in you. Oh, Lord, may you just in grace and mercy call them, show them their need of you. Lord, there's those who, as it were, are in that sense brokenhearted. Thank you that you promise to draw near. Thank you that you're the God who provides for every need. Thank you that you're the God who protects us. Will you watch over us this coming week? Thank you that you're the God who reveals yourself and you have revealed yourself most fully in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. May all the praise and all the glory be his. In his name we pray. Amen.